Hey, it's Michael Proctor, producer of The Tension Podcast, where it is our goal to bridge the gap between the way of Jesus and the productivity world and prove that they are more alike than most think. Today is episode one, where Jacob, Chris, and I talk about the habits we have learned from the self-help world and how they have helped us in our walk with Jesus. Here we go. Pretty much, is it just how nonprofits or churches don't value productivity or efficiency as much as the secular world does? Is that what we want to talk about? Because I would say that's the biggest place I see it. Really? How so? Mm, I work for one collective, and they're like pretty business minded, mm-hmm. but there still just like isn't the push that like a a for-profit company has. My dad works for a for-profit technology company and they like have people hired to schedule everyone's time. And so like his day is time blocked on Google Calendar or whatever. And he like is scheduled this hour, these two hours you're working on this project. If you don't have, if you can't get it done in that time, then we'll reschedule you time next week or something like that to be able to finish it. <laughs> and like, he is not able to really even like choose his own schedule and what he works on the majority of the time. That sounds terrible. Yeah, it really does. He's not a huge fan of it, oh, but like gosh. his time is so restricted um, because it's worth so much. I mean, he's paid at least a hundred K. I mean, sure, but still. Yeah, it's brutal. But like yeah. they care about like how productive each one of their employees are and making sure that each one of their employees know exactly what they should be doing. Because often that's what happens. You're like working, you know, for eight hours in a day and then I'll get tired and you're like, oh, what actually do I need to be working on right now? I have a bunch of things that are like not urgent, but been on my to do list for a while, but I'm like not motivated for them. Yeah. So I'm just going to kind of dink around and not actually do anything that's going to anything that's productive. Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind when I think about like the for-profit versus non-profit, which includes church, um, at least to the IRS and categorically, like to to me, a for-profit or or purposeful, like gainful purpose versus like a non-profit, like the the motivation is different. Like, well, yeah, for-profit, you're making money. And so... Like yeah, like everything goes into making more money. Um, like that, that is the end goal. Like just increasing, increasing profit margins. You know, decreasing overhead. Like all, all of those things. Like the motivation inherently lends itself to being pro, like pro productivity minded. Um, you know, streamlined. I would argue hyper pro, like hyper productive like in your dad's case and stuff yeah but like a a non-profit is others based like the end goal isn't money the end goal is a service or a, a charity or something that's geared towards helping other people yeah and you don't like people are messy and people are slow and so like it, i think about at habitat how there was one lady named Nicole and she was in charge of like three different things and she did them so well. Like she was one of those, like, I'm going to get in, work my ass off and I'm still going to have time to walk around the store, mingle, go say, Hey, whatever, just for her own like little brain break. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the end goal was getting people into a home that 
you know, they, they work off, they pay it off and stuff, but to get him into a home to help alleviate whatever we could in Bradley County, the housing crisis. And so like money wasn't the, it wasn't the focus. Any money yeah. we made basically just went to, Hey, we're going to build houses for everybody. Yeah. You know, aside from, but if you were money focused though, then like, wouldn't you be able to, instead of building like however many houses per year, you could like double that or something like that. If you're money focused and then be able to help like that many more people. No, no, because the, the way that, the way that the contracts are laid up or the business or the city development, land development, like all that is slow. And so even if we had more money, we could only do, you know, X amount of houses per year just because that's what we're allowed as, as a, as a nonprofit anyways, like the grants and stuff, like all that takes time and getting the permits and getting the inspections and you know, the, the concrete the legal stuff. Yeah, the, like some of the legal stuff or like the concrete, you know, well, they've got it scheduled for, you know, two months from now to, you know, we're going to break ground, lay the, the subfloor, or not the subfloor, the, the infrastructure, lay the plumbing, and we're going to wait. Okay. I mean, even if he had the ability to make more houses, like we're still bound by other people. First, okay. like if we could do everything in house, eh, probably, but it wasn't feasible. And like, I think about church, like, it's not money focused. It's kingdom focused. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at like harvest in Chicago area, like they like, is start, that a church? I think it was harvest church. Yeah. Like okay. they were the ones that like pioneered the like church done with a business model. Yeah. And like leadership fell apart, like hardcore. Like I know there's huge scandal with their lead pastor mm-hmm. and then like other pastors left um, because of that. And he, I think the lead pastor also got fired or something, man. Um, but like still even like some of these, like, you know, second tier down pastors are now starting up other churches and and they're having the same problems at these other churches and it's like not becoming people focused and like so many people are so hurt and like the church ends up being just like people come for this celebrity pastor and like Mm. discipleship's not really happening there like community's not really happening there and it's not going well at all and i don't want to discount the like the place for strategy and planning and systems and streamlining and efficiency, like it definitely has its place. Yeah. But the, like if what's driving the end goal is not Jesus and people, then for sure for a church, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And not just like numbers for attendance. Right. But like how many people are actually engaged? How many people right. want to volunteer, not feel guilt tripped yeah. to volunteer? Yeah. Yeah, or like right now, one of the things I'm trying to really get a fair grasp on is like my, as the discipleship pastor, is like, how do you measure growth in a person? Because like data, you know, like, like you can you know, follow money trends or supply trends or economic trends or buying trends, spending trends, like you can follow that stuff. But as far as like quantifying um, like transformation and personal growth and and stuff like it's it's next to impossible because it's so subjective yeah but there's still like there's still got to be a few key things that pop up repeatedly yeah i don't know what they are but I just 
I'm convinced at this point, blindly convinced. Like, there's got to be a few key well, things. I think that, that's where it, like, goes into, like, are in, like, your personal walk. Like, okay, you're a Christian. Yeah. Like, maybe you're right. not, like, in the nonprofit world. But, like, you're trying to, like, be a Christian in, like, for-profit world. Right. Or even just, like, in your life, take, like, for-profit or, like, even just the, like, productivity, like, culture in America. Like, take mm-hmm. that and then apply it to your life yeah. in a way that's meaningful and like in line with like your Christian values. Yeah. Um, and which I think ends up coming out to be like what biblically, like what fruits are you right. producing? Right. Yeah. And you can do that anywhere in any job. Like even if you work at a for-profit business, for sure. like your dad, you know, grind until he dies kind of, kind of job. Like you can still live a thriving, you know, life in Jesus. Yeah. It's just going to look a little different than what I do or what Krista does or what you do or, yeah, those things. Yeah. And I think for me, I've gotten feedback about my, um, like, habit building from people that are close to me and can see sort of how I'm using habits or productivity to better my life. And there almost comes off... um, like, the feedback that comes back to me sometimes seems borderline hesitant to just embrace what I'm doing or even want to copy it because it feels like there's a hesitation, like I'm forcing growth instead of just... Because I've had comments of like, well, Holy Spirit will work hmm. those things out in you. And no doubt, Holy Spirit is doing things in us all the time that we may or may not even realize He's doing. But I do believe that there, like, it is the partnership between you and Holy Spirit to get these things worked out in yourself. Like, it takes a certain amount of time of you sitting and listening and figuring out what's going on inside of you to become a better person and to expedite growth in your life. I think it's possible through habitually training yourself to live a life towards what you're worshiping, whatever you're worshiping. And if we're meant to worship Jesus, then our habits should point towards Jesus in some form or fashion, not in the, it has to be a cross or blatantly, um, a Christian that goes into the whole conversation of sacred versus secular, which is a whole other tangent. But just the idea that what is bringing good, beautiful, creative, wonderful, better improvements, things into your life and the lives of those around you because of what you're doing. I think that that's fruit. For sure. Yeah, but then like, why is it not... Like, why are pastors and, like, not teaching that? Like, if that's, like, a very practical way and, like, how we can become, like, better followers of Jesus, like, why is, like, what is tagged as, like, secular not brought into, like, churches? I, th- I think there's that taboo of, like, doing things in your own strength. Like, if they were to start selling, like, that you could... You can do it yourself, you know, like you can make yourself better. Then everything becomes very self-focused. And mm-hmm. I think that there became becomes like this shaky ground of, okay, like now are we, fo- are we worshiping ourselves or are we worshiping God? Because habits can also worship ourselves. Like if the end goal is just always pointed at 
myself, then I'm doing something wrong. If the end goal, like, shows that I love other people and I love the Lord, I feel like that's worshiping Mm. outwards instead of worshiping myself or what I want or desire. I definitely get mixed up in that for sure. Um, Because, like... I want to be like successful career wise, and I also like want to be successful like my faith and dis- like self discipleship and like discipleship of others. But like developing habits because like working out's one, or like managing your finances is another. And like those are like really good, like just enabling me to like disciple myself, myself, and like steward like the body God gave me and the finances like I am like earning and stuff well. Uh, but it also like is really easy to be like oh yeah i want to like retire with two million dollars and like that's really selfish and like managing mixed motives Mm. not found like landed on like how to figure that out i guess yeah and i think i think i've heard a lot like what you were talking about carissa about um like the the danger of like in your own strength or like that, that whole mindset. And I think there, I, I think there's some validity to it. Like just like guarding against arrogance or haughtiness or anything. Uh, but I don't, I, I feel like there's been a bigger lack of doing it in the spirit's strength and recognizing that, okay, if I have Holy spirit in me and he's equipped me for the good works of the ministry slash I am be, being equipped or whatever that looks like for you. Um, you know, and recognizing, okay, I, I've been empowered scripturally by the Holy Spirit. So there's power, strength, mm-hmm. and whatever that looks like in the mystery of the Spirit, whatever yeah. that looks like. Well, it's scriptural, so this it's got to be true. And if I'm daily walking with the Spirit, and the Spirit has power to give me and grace to give me, then whatever I do is in the Spirit's power with me. Like, with I'm, I'm doing it with the Spirit in the Spirit's power. And I feel like that rationale and line of thought has not been like taught or preached or Hmm. whatever we want to call it um at least in the circles that we've been certainly 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 and i will say um like different speakers and spiritual leaders and stuff that i listen to like john mark homer uh mark sayers um uh preston sprinkle uh, mike winger um like a lot of those guys, I think understand that, that like that concept of like doing it with the spirit in the spirit's power, kind of kind of line of thought, and so they subtly kind of like add that into like what they talk about and what they preach about or what they're studying, and so I think it's slowly kind of starting to come around. I think in in some of the the circles that I am aware of, but definitely, I think I've noticed that the most in like John Mark Comer. Yeah. Like he teaches a lot. He pulls from like the psychology field. Yeah. Very practical. Like that's what I love. I love that as well. But a lot of people would say like, Oh, he's more like, like a lecturer or like a Ted doc, Ted talk speech Uh, instead of like preaching or something like that. And I was like, I totally get that. But also being like intellectual, like loving college. Like I love the more like lecture feeling like sermons. And so like, I'm all about that and going like extra biblical. But like he does like tie in scripture heavily all the time. It's founded in scripture. And it's like, oh, here's the modern thought that we learned that proves scripture right. Here we go. Yeah, he ties scripture and science all the time. Yeah. I mean, the same thing with... uh, 
Preston Sprinkle, he does that. Mm. Um, and but, but, I mean, also, like, it states over and over in Scripture, if you love the Lord, you will obey His commands. Yeah. And we can't... We, as human beings, do not have the capacity to just obey out of in instinct. We disobey out of instinct. We have to train ourselves to obey. Mm. Like, how do you train yourself to obey? Like, you have you to... You do it. You get into it. Yeah, you, you have to practice. And yeah. yeah, like, go through the cycle of practicing. And I think growing up, too, I don't know if it was just, like, the more traditional side of church that I grew up in, uh, more conservative side... But I was presented with so many, like, giants of the faith. Like, they were, like, the pillars. And everyone talked about them as if, like, they were some mystical being that you couldn't really touch, but they held up our faith, you know? Like, oh, man, who are some 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 names of the people that we grew up? I mean, there's always Billy Graham. Um, I love my boy, Smith Wigglesworth. That's what I was going to say. I couldn't, I couldn't remember. I was going to say something. Smithy Wiggy. <laughs> uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, for that matter. Mm. Um, I'm just not reading. Love, love the Hoff. Lou Bingle, not like to any fault of his own, but he's. Or even right guy. now, what's his name? What's he look like? I might sound offensive. The Dread Guy. Todd White. That's the one. Like, I was presented with these people. Sort of is like, oh, hey, hold on to the faith. Like we're like we're being carried through. But I think that if we were to actually look at these people's lives, their habits would be so yeah, they'd be solid. So invested in scripture, so invested in people taking time. Like their focus was to share the gospel to people. And that is what their specialty was. Like they literally honed all of their skills to evangelize to people. Mm -hmm. If every single person, like that was their end goal to go out on the streets, hone their communication skills, hone their ability to fight fear and have courage and take brave steps. Like if we practice those skills, I'm sure the results could be very similar. Not replicated because we're all different soups of people but i feel like it whatever we put our time our focus and our energy in those places will grow and it's not impossible to replicate somebody's results if you do like things if that makes sense yeah but i don't think you can get the same results yeah. if you don't put in that time yeah which I feel like a lot of people in Christendom want. They want like the easy, like, God, open a cloud, speak to me Literally. in an audible voice. Mm -hmm. And then, or there's like the other side of people, they're just like, Lord, take me away. <laughs> right. Like, can I please be that one guy that get whisked up and I don't actually die, but I live forever because I've, I've followed in the faith. And it's like, we don't want to put the energy or the time into Christendom. We just like the idea of I it. wonder how much of this has been influenced by um, the Jesus prayer. Like, the, the pray Jesus into your heart kind of. Okay. Oh, prayer. Like yeah. I wonder how much of it has been influenced by that idea that all you have to do to be saved or you know make it to heaven, whatever you want to call it, is just say, Jesus, I you know invite you into my heart, 
and I'm yours forever, amen, or whatever it is. And, and I mean, and, even the, the, the basic language of that is theologically incorrect. Well, certainly, but I, I feel like, stop saying feel, I'm better than this. I think that over the past however many decades, like that idea of all you have to do to join the faith is just, you know, invite Jesus into your heart and then that's it. Um, it's just, it's it, that idea I think has presented Christianity and Christ and, and Jesus and everything as such a passive element of our life instead of the active dynamic person that he is. And I don't know. Like, that thought makes sense in my head. I don't know if it makes sense out loud. No, definitely. Um, but yeah, I feel like just a passive Christianity has been promoted for so yeah. long. Yeah. And now we're finally dealing with it. And yeah. it's like, here we are. Here's the mess that we're in because mm -hmm. of these things. And like, inherently, it's not bad. It just wasn't helpful. Yeah. And we're or, trying to... Or the prosperity gospel, too. That, yeah. I feel like that also, yeah. where it's just like... God loves you so much, he's not going to let you suffer. And it's just right. like, whoop, you obviously don't read scripture because yeah. suffering is a Christian's best friend. <laughs> Embrace it. Accept Literally. it. Love it. That's a, that's a another, talk that could go on for like three sessions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> another, another talk series for another day. Suffering. Suff 18 episodes long. Yeah. Minimum. <laughs> suffering. Love it. Let's break it down. Yeah. I think, like, nominal Christianity is something I've, like, bumped up against a ton, which is, like, sounds like that could be, like, I don't know, the foundation of nominal Christianity. I'm sure it's not, but I think it's a contributor for mm -hmm. sure. Um, also, it's just, like, traditional to, like, yeah. kind of be a Christian. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not anymore. I mean, the Gen, well, Z, yeah, the, the Gen Z rates are Especially rough. once the yeah. older generation dies. dies out, like, literally, it that won't be tradition at all. No. Yeah. Because millennials and the whatever generation our parents are. Gen X. Gen X. Yeah. I, I feel like millennials have definitely rejected the tradition. I feel like our parents still carry it, but not as strongly. Back to the original question or prompt or whatever we want to call it about like efficiency and the church and stuff. I think... I don't know, there's a, I don't know if it's a Holy Spirit thought or just like a Jacob thought, but like, I, I wonder if, I just lost my train of thought, never mind. Oh, I got it. Like, I, I look back at church church history and the, the function of the church and the, the structure of the church and, um, and, you know, at, at that time, there's definitely like the secular sacred divide like only priests can like do ministry stuff and the lay people you know just come and listen and people ask kind of idea like certainly an element of that but there's also just a, a such a, a desperation between the people and the church like like the, the body of christ there, there's like a desperation to live now i guess i'm trying to remember who was around Living now in like what sense? Yeah. Like in the like, present? Yeah, like almost like a a desperate attempt at escapism, 
but not to escape like your circumstances, but like a, a hopeful des desperation, I guess. Like I'm so desperate to like change something and Jesus is the only way. So I'm gonna give everything I have to Jesus mm. in whatever I do in that desperation and in that hope that somehow, some way, my life will change or my circumstances will change because I'm so convinced that Jesus is the only one that can do it. Yeah. Um, and we're not desperate. Like that's on the, that I'm, I'm planning to talk to my students about. It's like, are, are you actually desperate? Like, do you understand how, like how pivotal and monumental and crucial faith is to your life? Or is this just another thing? And I don't know what the answer is gonna be. We'll work yeah. with whatever they give me, but like just challenging them on, are you desperate to actually take this thing seriously? Or are you too comfortable to, to even realize how important this is? I think I probably won't package it like that, but right now in my raw thought, that's that's where I'm at. But back to the like the church and efficiency. Like I'm not desperate. There's there's a better word for it. That's the only one I have right now. I'm I'm not so desperate to get in and you know grind my efficiency and grind my systems and you know make everything so buttoned up and so you know nailed down to you know reach the lost and stuff and i don't know if that's like a, a conviction i need to work with or if it's just like the state of me right now but yeah. i don't know i think those are correlated though because like i would say people who have like a desperation for salvation probably out of the circumstance of like deep suffering and sin and just trial yeah. like people that are coming from that and then find jesus as this place of like comfort and peace and salvation like those are the people that like oftentimes are then like actually working the most or the hardest and like are the farthest from nominal christianity yeah. um which is like proof again that like suffering is a christian's best friend thing. yeah um and i think like christianity like we're told like it's not going to be easy and like sh shouldn't be and if it does feel easy then i don't know are we doing something wrong i don't know because there's a, there's a difference between like going through trials and then intentionally like pushing yourself and being disciplined and pushing yourself into doing good things that are really hard i don't know if there's a difference there i'm with you i'm just not sure i have anything to follow up i do think it's a skill though uh, yeah yeah you can, it, like, you can grow in it for sure yeah the idea to to embrace hard things because of growth. Yeah. I no. Okay. I, I was just gonna say, I, I do think that there is the tension though of allowing Holy Spirit to lead those places. I think that for me personally, whenever I wanna grow in something or do self-improvement in some way, whatever area it is, there either is a conviction there already that I have from the Holy Spirit, or I know that the person that I want to be in the future, a better mom, a better wife, like a better artist or so on so forth. Like I have to put these habits in place for me to meet those, yeah. like to be those things, yeah. um, to yeah, be intentional. I, I think that's a good point. Like, I feel like, I can't, I can't not say feel right now. <laughs> um, I, I don't think people are really future minded. 
nowadays. Like, it, I'm just going to enjoy life right now because I don't know if I have tomorrow. Like, yeah, there's truth to that. It's good and stuff. But, like, to your point, like, the future Carissa, the future mom, the future wife, you know, whatever that looks like. Like, that's that's important to have that that kind of view, outlook on your life of, okay, right now I'm in a good place, but I want to be in a better place, but I don't get to a better place without working towards it. Or like intentionality. Yeah, Yeah. making the intentional steps and habits and choices and things to get to the better place. Like it doesn't happen just sitting here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's been so many times I've been like really convicted of like, normally it's like some level of laziness. Like I am only doing like the bare minimum to like Mm -hmm. survive in life. And then I'm like playing video games or watching Netflix. And I'm like, then just like feel really convicted. Like I literally can like love people way better and do way more to like actually be a good follower of Christ. Um, And even like more than that, just like, like a human being that contributes to society in like an effective way. Um, And like the, the benefit of that is like if you're contributing to society and you're respected in that way, then you also have influence. And mm-hmm. with that influence, you can love people the way Jesus did and also like share the truth of Jesus with those people, um, which is like yeah. a very fulfilling life. Um, but again, and I say this as a pastor, I'm not convinced that the church at large anyways has done a good job of of teaching people that kind of a train of thought of, hey, if, you know, you get in, you work hard, you're respectable, you're honorable, you have integrity, you know, you're, you are l- walking and living by the Spirit, with the Spirit, for the Spirit, right here, right now, you know, the end result is going to be that influence, that buy-in, that one or two opportunities to say, hey, let me, you know, share a little bit about Jesus in this quick two-minute conversation, and you do that for 10 times, and hey, that's a that's a 20 minute conversation that you had. And yeah, I just, I feel like we're always looking for the big wins that we just completely dismiss the little wins. For sure. And the little wins in Christianity definitely is just like building relationships with people and like growing an influence with people. I mean, like that's literally what Jesus did all the time. Like went and just like hung out and had dinner. Yeah. um, Yeah. And developed relationships wherever they were. And I really think that's like the best way to go about um, just like doing life one super freaking enjoyable and fun and then like two it's like doing life with other people and having like genuine relationships and community yeah. is like the most fulfilling and yeah. also like the place where i think jesus abounds the most yeah and i think when you have authentic community man we were rabbit trailing but i think when you have authentic community it takes posturing it like kicks posturing out of the picture like posturing the the whole like i'm i have to keep up with the joneses like if you have people over enough in your home they'll see the cracks in your like spousal relationship or how you treat your kids and they'll start to see your humanity and humanity is what makes us relatable to each other and i think that so often we can block ourselves from building good community because we are trying to posture so much put out the the faux like we have it all together (laughs) and so people can't relate to that because they know that they themselves are hot mess and so if you allow for people to see the brokenness of your life it makes people feel comfortable to open up 
and have authentic relationship and community with you. This is so off topic, but that's... But I think that is one of the core differences between like the productivity kind of mindset um, between like for-profit or whatever we can call it versus the church or nonprofits. Like you're not going to do that in a regular nine to five grinding away just to make a profit. Yeah. It's like, total posturing. It's total posturing. It's total. You can't you know, show platitudes facts. and yeah. facades, facades, whatever it is. And it, it just doesn't happen mm. versus like in the church or in a nonprofit because it is again relationally driven. Yeah. Yeah. And people know, people can feel when it's not relationally. Yeah. When you're just trying to tick off a box, like, okay, I'll grab coffee with that guy, next person, or whatever it is. Mm. Yeah. So how have you guys in your personal lives, like to kind of wrap things up, um, been able to like kind of bridge these two worlds and really be diligent about how you're crafting your life um, that will enable you to be most effective for producing fruit in like a spiritual sense or biblical sense with your faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think for me, self-improvement is always a Holy Spirit in me thing in the sense that he prods me in a direction and it may take me months, sometimes years for me to finally come around to put intentionality and time into that thing. But once I had catch wind of what he's asking of me, then I set systems in place. I put, I start working on habits. And if I fail, this has happened so many times. If I fail at, at putting a habit in place, then I will cyclically try again over and over until I find a system that works and I keep trading out systems trying to improve it now I know that that's part of my personality as an Enneagram 3 but um I don't want to take out the fact that it's part of the process I think like if instead of just stopping because we think we start to believe a lie that it's impossible for us to change I think that I've just adapted the mentality to uh, fail until I get it right. And... um, Yeah, failing forward. Yeah. And if Holy Spirit's already nudging me in that direction, then I'm going to put the work in to uh, meet Him where He wants me, you know? And then out of that place of more holistic health, I have rejuvenated sense of purpose and calling and that makes me a better person i relate to people better i see more people i'm able to have emotional space to offer other people and because i'm very like a core principle of mine is discipleship then that naturally flows out of my strength and i'm able to offer other people genuine time where Mm. i genuinely want to get to know them and build those kinds of connections Dang. Top that, Jacob. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are very different We're people. Very different. I know. <laughs> I, think, you know. <laughs> I think, like Carissa, it, it's almost always Holy Spirit driven on like a conviction or a desire he's given me or whatever it is. Um, but oftentimes, you know, when I'm pushing forward in something or a relationship or I'm trying to grow in something, what I think what helps me the most is to take a minute and breathe and recognize, hey, 
this isn't life and death. This isn't a salvation issue. Mm. Like all of that's covered. There's no real uh, consequence. Yeah, consequence. Like there, there might be urgency, but like I'm not gonna die if I miss the mark or whatever it is. And so that's like the first thing is just take a break, remind myself I'm good. And two, I think what really helps me is looking back and seeing the faithfulness of the spirit, like just recognizing, okay, when I did press forward and even if I missed it or whatever, he's still good. You know, like there was still good growth that happened because I walked in faith. I took that bold blind step in faith. And he honored it. He's like, okay, great. We didn't quite get there, but it was still a good, you know, step or two steps to take. Um, and just recognizing, like, there's never been a time when I've made an effort with the Spirit towards a direction or, um, like, I think about going back to school uh, in Mason City when I started at, at Mason City. Like, that was a big thing for me. And I got in and then I fell in love with school. And now, you know, I'm, I'm in. I love school. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't really feel like the spirit was saying, hey, yeah. let's get back into it. It's going to be good for you. And I did. And now here I am, got my bachelor's after eight long years of school. And, you know, in a couple of months, I'm going to start looking around for somewhere to try and do a master's and stuff. Like the little things like that for me have definitely become the big moments in my life when I could see the spirit's faithfulness in my action to just follow yeah um yeah i think that like those are probably the two bigger things that i do when i'm trying something new or or even if i'm trying something and i don't realize that it's a new thing or whatever it is like sometimes things kind of sneak up on me but yeah hmm. yeah that's probably what about you michael what's my answer i think for me i've definitely been more on like the the like secular self-improvement side of things for a while so like growing up i only had like like I went to church and like traditionally and I never was really exposed to like anything other than that, like educationally wise. And then I like got into university and like actually found out like, oh, I can like learn and better myself and solve my own problems. And so I've gone like super hard down that, that trail um, and learning like the value of like, how can I improve as a human being from like a secular standpoint, which has been a lot through like um, psychology classes and even like counseling and um, like habit building and developing hard skills that like just make you valuable to like society from like our culture standpoint, which in a way has been like me trying to falsely fill like a sense of self-worth. Um, but then like tying faith into that for me mm -hmm. has been like, um, okay, I've been able to do all these things. Um, now, how can I use those to then also solve problems for people and like that be the way to love people really well and like provide people, um, whether that's like providing people work or solving people's problems from like as like as a business standpoint, this is like my whole marketing approach is like, how can I provide a service or product or whatever for people um, to enable them to live like meaningful and fulfilling lives and enable yeah. people to do that well. Um, because like whenever they're living a more fulfilling um, life, like they find Jesus and normally like that is where they find Jesus. Yeah. And um, I think that is also like one of like the ways 
one of the things we were created to do was to like work really hard and to solve problems and like develop the world. Like John Mark Comer, like Garden City literally revolutionized my, my life. Yeah. Um, and so. just seeing how like God created a garden and then put us in it to cultivate it and to develop that into a city, into something better yeah. and more beautiful. And so I think combining those things and like developing hard skills and becoming somebody that's able to do more in the world and seeing how those things are influencing people's lives in like a really deep and profound way. Um, and then like ena that enables me also to just like have some really cool conversations with people. And like often it is like around like, how do you find a sense of meaning in your like nine to five job? Mm -hmm. um, because like, that's a requirement for you to like literally survive in the world, yeah. which is like a core function we all have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, how do you then bring Jesus into that conversation, which just happens so much, which like I get a sense of like fulfillment and purpose because like I see how I'm loving like God's people through my yeah. job and through my work, which is really easy, like working at a nonprofit right. and doing that. Um, well, and I think that the whole idea and you, I mean you just said of like secular approach or like psychology and stuff like I I don't know I just don't buy into like that divide like we were talking about like yeah. if it, if it's good and if it's beneficial it's good and beneficial like even if it if it was written by you know a non-believer or a believer I mean sure. I've read some garbage stuff from believers before just like I've read garbage oh, from you know non-believers it's like well I mean, cool, bless you, love you, but that was not the best, that, that was not the best work. Yeah. Um, but just recognizing, okay, and not like the cliche of like, oh, God directs everything for your good, because that's contextually not accurate. But what I'm trying to say is, if it's good, and if it's beneficial, and if it builds you up, even if it's not Jesus-fueled in itself. Explicitly. Because, explicitly, because you're Jesus-fueled or we're Jesus-fueled. Yeah. yeah. Then we can take that and we can internalize it and submit it to the king, and it will still be good because we are yeah. now good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of my favorite quotes from Garden City is, the art of being human is worship. Yeah. And it takes and peels back this idea of that divide between yeah. secular and sacred. And it's just like... Let's just let's just live. <laughs> let's just live the yeah. best way we possibly can. Worship yeah. God the best way we possibly can because we're all different soups of people and we all have different soup-like things to offer the world, you know? And let's just offer our soup diligently, you know? <laughs> we're all soup. We're all soups. I, 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 I feel like I'm a chili because I'm a spicy. I was going to say, what type of soup are we? I'm definitely a chili. Anyway, okay, wait, wait. This is probably a good place to wrap I'm gonna up. Say, no, no, no. no what's, your, what's your soup? What's your soup? And on that. Um, white chili chicken. Oh, really? I was going to say that thing you get from uh, Olive Garden. Oh, what is it called? Yeah. No. Dang it. You're white chili chicken. Okay, okay. go. I was... A soup that went stale and it was dumped outside. So I've been nurturing <laughs> this like flower to then grow and it like mostly bloomed. Bro. Or it's like in the process of blooming. No, it's so you're, not that deep. <laughs> it's not that deep. You're a flower soup. Got it. Vine, yeah. you can have that. You can have that. <laughs> sorry, I'll like, one up you guys real quick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Oh, wait, but. Oh, wait, sorry. Let's just end with I'm Carissa an artist mother and wife and this is the tension podcast i'm jacob i'm a pastor i'm a dad a husband and a student
And I'm Michael, the podcast producer, who is a bachelor and has no freaking clue what he's doing. Hey, ladies. But hey, we're here doing good work. <laughs>